0: So this evening, we're going to look at
1: a Kabbalistic idea that is extremely powerful and very relevant. Like all Kabbalistic ideas, if we study it merely as mysticism, so then we're talking about another world. But when you take it personally, it's very much about this world. And the topic and the world that we're going to explore tonight is the world of tohu, the world of chaos and its untapped power, the power of chaos. I think something that a reflection on recent events in the world is that many of us, I could certainly speak for myself, had moments where we felt things may be slipping out of control. Certainly the world structure that we were familiar with, let's say three years ago, a certain point in the recent past, that structure fell apart, disappeared, was lost. And we were introduced to a a whole new world where the structures that we depended upon, the institutions that we relied on, didn't know what was going on. And that was certainly a, a feeling of chaos an experience of chaos. And that's unsettling because we like our life to be quite neat and organized and predictable. We like to know what's happening next, know what to expect. And so when you experience this chaotic, uh, unexpected, out of control reality, we're not used to that. And we're pretty shocked. And so we're going to discover this evening, that that chaotic reality is never far from the surface. The facade of organization, of predictability, of comfortability that we have, it's very thin. And beneath it, there is a big, bubbling, chaotic reality that is waiting to surface at any time. And when it does, we don't know what to do. We we really lose it very quickly unless we learn to channel that power, the untapped power of chaos. That's what we're going to explore this evening. And the way we're going to do it is by basing it on texts, on Torah and Kabbalistic texts to understand the world of Tohu, the world of chaos. As always, questions will be welcome at the end. You're welcome to write them in, in the chat um, during the course of the class. Uh, and at the end, we'll go through all questions. You can write them privately or publicly. And uh, and you can also ask questions at the end if you'd like to unmute yourself at the end. But in the meantime, please keep yourself muted till we get there. So let's begin here is a a quote from the torah the book of genesis a story about the beginnings of the jewish family In, in its third generation abraham isaac and jacob jacob was the third and we're going to hear about the birth of jacob and his twin brother esau the torah says the following that and isaac prayed to the lord opposite his wife because she was barren and the Lord accepted his prayer and Rebecca, his wife conceived. So Isaac and Rebecca had been married for several years without being blessed with children. They pray and their prayers answered, Rebecca conceives and the children struggled within her. And she said, if, if it be so, why am I like this? And she went to inquire of the Lord. She had some struggle within her during her pregnancy. She felt this uh, upheaval, not knowing what it was. She went to seek the Lord, to ask God what's going on. And the Lord said to her, two nations are in your womb and two kingdoms will separate from your innards. And one kingdom will become mightier than the other kingdom and the elder will serve the younger. So she receives this prophecy that she's actually got two nations within her, two kingdoms. And the struggle within her is the struggle between these two kingdoms. One will become mightier than the other kingdom. Only one will be mighty at any one time. And the elder will serve the younger. This is the prophecy that she receives. Continues the Torah. And the days to give birth were completed. And behold, there were twins in her womb. And the first one emerged ruddy, red-like. He was completely like a coat of hair. And they named him Esau, Esau. And afterwards, his brother emerged and his hand was grasping Esau's heel, and he named him Jacob. So the first one's called Esau, born red and covered with a coat of hair. The second one is called Jacob, because he was grasping the heel of his older twin brother Esau. Jacob comes from the word "akev," meaning a heel. And the Torah continues and tells us that the youth grew up, and Esau was a man who understood hunting, a man of the field, whereas Jacob was an innocent man dwelling in tents. And Isaac loved Esau because game was in his mouth, but Rebecca loved Jacob. So we see that they, they split in two different directions, that Esau was a, a man who is a hunter, a man of the field, a more outdoor uh, person and with a bit of aggression, whereas Jacob was an innocent, soft, gentle type who sat in the tent, more studious, reflective type of person, a, a, a gentle, softer one. As we saw from the prophecy that Rebecca received when she was pregnant, that the struggle inside of her was because you got two very different nations who are going in two very different directions and they're going to struggle. Only one can be master at any one time. Isaac loved Esau because the game was in his mouth. There was something about Esau that, Jake, that, that, I, that I, Isaac preferred. He's, he was a hunter, so he brought game home but uh, knowing Isaac being a a more holy and spiritual type there must have been something he saw in Esau that Rebecca didn't agree with Rebecca who had received the prophecy knew that the younger will be dominant the older will serve the younger so she had a special love for Jacob now there's a lot in this story And we can go into the uh, family dynamics here of twin brothers who are very different. We can go into the uh, psychological impact of the father favoring one and the mother favoring the other. Did they know this? Were they aware of it or not? These are all fascinating discussions. But for the purposes of our discussion, we're going to look into the Kabbalistic interpretation of this relationship of Jacob and Esau, the two twins. Because the way the Kabbalah reads every Torah story is at once it happened. That's that's one element. It's a story that happened. These are our forefathers. This is the family the Jewish people. But these stories are not recorded merely as history. They're recorded because there is spiritual messages behind every single detail here, that the characters of the Torah, apart from being literal people who lived, are also spiritual symbols who, who means something for us. And so the Kabbalist would extract from these stories, mystical intimations, and, and then apply it in a personal and spiritual way. So what's the story here of Jacob and Esau twin brothers, Esau older, Jacob younger, Esau rough, red and hairy, a hunter, Jacob, gentle, soft, holding onto the, the, the heel of Esau, chasing him, as it were, seeming to want to be first, but being a more, a, more, a more soft and innocent type. And this constant struggle between them and the prophecy that in the end, the older will serve the younger. What's, what's behind this? So to try and uh, unravel some of this from a Kabbalistic perspective, we're going to look at a couple of sources. The first one, the Alter, Rebbe. the Alter Rebbe, the author of the Tanya, Rabbi Shnei Zalman of the Abbey, in his great work, Torah Ur, Torah Ur is a collection of his talks and discourses based on the parish of the Week, the Torah readings, where he would extrapolate the, the inner meaning behind them. And he says the following fascinating words, it is known. And by the way, whenever the Kabbalists say it is known, we're going to hear something that we didn't know. It is known means it's known if you know, and if you don't, you're going to hear it now, It is known that jacob's soul was sourced in the world of tikkun which literally means fixing and esau is sourced in the world of tohu chaos the lights of tohu are extremely intense and could not be contained in the vessels so they hovered above leaving the vessels to smash and fall below that's why esau down here was wicked but from the perspective of his source in tohu the lights of Tohu are far greater than the lights of Tikkun. So here, what is, what is the Altarabba suggesting here? He's telling us the spiritual source of Jacob and Esau and their souls. The, the difference between them was not just some genetic difference or something to do with, with their upbringing. It was to do with their soul. Jacob's soul came from the world of Tikkun. Esau's soul came from the world of Toyu. Tikkun and Tohu are the two important words that we're going to be analyzing tonight because what the Alter Rebbe here is referring to is two stages of creation two different spiritual sources Tikkun fixing and Tohu chaos now here he gives us a little bit of insight into this that the light of Tohu the spiritual world of Tohu of chaos is an extremely high and intense light the energy of Toyo was extremely high and intense so much so that it couldn't be contained in the vessels, he says, which is Kabbalistic terminology. We're going to look at closer soon. So therefore, the light was too much. The light couldn't be contained in the world of Toyo, the spiritual realm of Toyo, which caused a smashing an explosion where the vessels fell below. So there's a very all we know from this just reading this is that there's a, a spiritual. Realm called the world of Tohu, the world of chaos, that is an extremely powerful, potent spiritual source. So potent, the light, the energy, the holiness of that world was too much, could not be contained, and caused some type of shattering of uh, of, of these of the vessels, the containers in that spiritual world, and a descent, a falling of energy. And so, Rabbi Schneir Zalman here, the Alter Rebbe, is suggesting that Esau's soul came from that place, an extremely high energetic place. His rough external, external pre- presentation was as a result of his very high soul. But that soul came from a place that was high, so high that it exploded. It, there's too much light, too much energy and the explosion call, caused a fall, a descent. So Esau down here in this world was not a very nice person. He was, he was a, a, a rough, violent person because he was the result of, of falling from a very high level. Now that high level is even higher than the world of Tikkun. The world of Tikkun fixing is the world where the lights are not so intense. Where the energy is not so intense, it's a more calm, more contained light, a light that can be organized, fixed, corrected. Jacob came from that world, his soul came from the world of Tikkun, the world of correction of fixing, which is a much more pleasant source, a calmer source of a soul but it's not as high. It's not as high as Esau, who came from from the world of Tohu. And so what the Alter Rebbe has introduced is the idea that there are two types of souls. There are Tohu souls and Tikkun souls. A Tohu soul is somebody who has a huge amount of energy and light, but it's not very well contained. And therefore, It can easily be corrupted. It can be misdirected. Whereas a tikkun soul is somebody who will behave much better, has it much more together, is much more organized in in their expression, uh, much more uh, deliberate and directed and uh, palatable in their their ways. But there's less energy there. There's less light there. There's, There's less power in that person what's better? Well, down here in this world, Tikkun is better than Toyo. Jacob was a righteous person, and Esau was not. So there's no question that down here in this world, Jacob is greater than Esau. But in their source, in their energy, where they come from, Esau comes from a higher place than Jacob. He comes from the world of chaos which is actually higher than the world of fixing. And therefore, we find that throughout the Torah, there's a fascinating relationship, a wrestle and a struggle between these two, Jacob and Esau, a love-hate relationship in a way where they're constantly either at loggerheads with each other or trying to make amends with each other. you look through the torah you'll see that jacob and esau had several different interactions and times we know that jacob bought the birthright from esau saying that esau even though you're born first because you come from a higher source but down here in this world you're not living up to that higher source and esau had no problem selling his birthright to jacob because he didn't see a value in it he was a fallen soul he didn't see the value in being, being the firstborn, which has more spiritual r- obligations. The blessing that their father Isaac wanted to give to Esau. Because Isaac knew Esau's soul, Esau, Esau's source, he wanted to bless him. But Rebecca knew that even though his soul was very lofty, he wasn't living up to that soul. And so she organized that Jacob should receive the blessing. Because down here in this world, Tikkun, fixing, correcting the power of Jacob has to be dominant to fix Esau, uh, the broken soul who came from the higher source. And there's a struggle between them. There's a wrestle between them. Eventually, after years of, of being apart and, uh, and basically being a, in, in a state where they, they weren't on talking terms. Jacob and Esau do meet and embrace at the end. Because there's a a, a moment where Esau recognizes that for him to reach his potential, he needs help from Jacob. for for chaos to reach where it can can actually be a, a force for positivity. It needs the organized experience, the direction of Tikkun. We're going to explore this from several different angles and, and try and understand a little bit better what it, what this all means, the tikkun and the toihu relationship. The idea, the first real source of this idea is straight out of the Torah, right at the beginning. If you look at the book of Genesis, right at the beginning of creation, in the beginning of God's creation of the heavens and earth, these are the first verses of the Torah. The second verse says, now the earth was astonishingly empty, which in Hebrew is tohu vavohu, and darkness was on the face of the deep, and the spirit of God was hovering over the face of the water. The word tohu was in the second verse of the Torah. And then the third verse says, and God said, let there be light, and there was light. The Kabbalists plumbed the depth of these verses, and we could spend hours, literally hours, days, just on these three verses, trying to understand what, their real depth, I mean, every single word here has huge meaning. And the Kabbalists have pages and pages of commentary on the first verses of the Torah. But one idea that they extrapolated from here, is that this is not talking just about the beginning of creation, when Earth already was, this is actually talking about before Earth was before the physical world was created. God first created Tohu, a chaotic world, And only after that, he created a world of light, the world of Tikkun. So the Kabbalists, particularly the Arizal Rabbi Yitzhak Luria, who we'll see a quote from soon, extrapolated the idea that in the process of creation, God started with a chaotic expression of divine energy. This chaotic energy was an expression of divine light, of divine life force, but it was in a chaotic fashion, meaning that the various powers of God did not work in tandem. They clashed with each other, causing an explosion and a falling of energy. Then a second version was needed. A second attempt of creation was needed. The world of Tikkun, where the same energies are a bit more muted, slightly less energetic. So they should be able to work together in tandem in a system. And the world of Tikkun appeared. Uh, If we look at at the the words of the Arizal himself, this is from the book Eitz Chaim, one of the foundational works of the Arizal's uh, teachings, where he describes it in these words, since the lights of Tohu were so intense and powerful, the vessels did not have the power to contain them and the vessels died, meaning to say they fell below. The way it's written and the way it's described, it sounds like a mistake happened, which is of course, ridiculous to say that God is creating the world. And in creating the world, he made one attempt by expressing his light, but it didn't work out. There was an explosion, uh, uh, they died, these, these energies. And so he had a second attempt where he did things more organized and a little bit less energetic, a little bit less powerful. The way it sounds like it was like, we have to do plan B. Plan A didn't work, so we'll do plan B. But the couplets explained, of course, that's not the case. This was a very intentional act. God created a world that didn't work. He created a, a mess of chaos that, that caused a, a, a smash, a collision. And and there was a mess, there was there, there was debris falling down, as it were. And then he created the power to correct, to organize to fix that the world of Toyo of chaos, that was never going to work, and the world of Tikkun, that will work. This was not a mistake. It was intentional, God created the universe in a way that it should be based on the idea of fixing something that went wrong. It wasn't mistaken that it went wrong god did it intentionally but what he but what that created is a world where it's all about fixing mistakes he created an opportunity for us for we human beings who inevitably will make mistakes that we're here to fix those mistakes mistakes are okay as long as you fix it and if you do fix it you'll you'll find a deeper light than if you never would have made the mistake The lights of tohu the energy of tohu of chaos of that chaotic world that preceded creation are the highest lights coming from the highest place but they're so high they couldn't come down here in our world not in a normal fashion so all we have in this world from tohu is the explosion the mess that was created but if we live a life of tikkun of correcting of fixing of improving of working of refining so then living in this world that has the fragments of toyu in it, we will pick up those fragments and experience the light of Tohu in the world of tikkun. This is, this is the, the message behind this, that the Arizal Rabbi Yitzhak Luria, he lived in the, in the 1500s in the Holy Land of Israel. And in his teachings, there's a, a huge amount of discussion about this, What's called the Shirata Kalim, the breaking of the vessels of, of Tohu. This idea was something that he he perceived by reading the words of the Torah, and assumedly from his higher prophetic power, he perceived that this is the way reality is. It's based on a smashing, a crash, an explosion, a falling, and we are here to fix it. There was the Tohu before us, and now we're in the Tikkun the correction, the correcting of the of the chaos. But it's important to note that, even though the way these ideas are expressed is in a past tense, there was the world of tohu, the world of chaos, chaotic energy that preceded tikkun. And then after that came tikkun to fix it. It's in, in, that, in that order. That's the way it's expressed. And that's the way we understand things in a, in a linear fashion of, of time. But these, these exist simultaneously as well. It's not that toyu was, and now it's tikkun. There's a level of tohu and there's a level of tikkun. Toyu precedes tikkun. It comes higher. It's from a higher place than tikkun, but it's not gone. Toyu is not finished. Toyu is still very much here. The world of Toyu, the world of chaos is absolutely here with us. It's not once upon a time and now things are Tikkun. It's that we inhabit Tikkun, but Toyu is always there in the background as well, in the wings. And sometimes not so much in the wings. Sometimes Toyu is center stage. To understand this, one of the metaphors used to understand Toyu and Tikkun, these two stages of creation, uh, is, is the the understanding of the stages of human being. We generally speaking, go from childhood to adulthood. We are born relatively young and we don't stay young. We become older. And at least for most people, that is a process. That's inevitable that you don't stay a child, you become at some stage, an adult, the childlike state is very much a tohu state. The adult mature state
0: is a tikkun state. Meaning
1: for a child, the child lives in the world of extremes. Whatever is happening at the moment is totally happening and they're completely in it. If they are happy, they're happy all the way. Joyous, happy, like top of, the, top of the world. Everything is fantastic and great. If the child is not happy, then it is the end of the world. They're in tears. Nothing's good. It's the worst thing in the world. Whatever a child is experiencing, they're experiencing it to the extreme, to the exclusion of all else, without any sense of perspective, of rationale, of looking at the big picture. I'm in it and that's it. So those who have children in their life will know that uh, certain things like bedtime, for example, when it's time for bed, if child does not want to go to bed, they say, no. And I dig the hills in, I'm not going to bed. I'm never going to bed. i never sleep. I don't sleep. I'm not doing it. And any excuse, anything that they refuse to do it. And if you cajole them and and push them and say, no, it's time for bed, they'll fight and run away. A little kid, you might, you might have to physically lift them up and say, come on, we've got to go to bed. And they'll kick and scream. It's the, it's the worst thing in the world. And I, I hate you. You're the worst father in the world. And they mean it. At that moment, they mean it. Five minutes later, they might snap out of it. And you're the best father in the world. That, and that's fine. That's totally fine because whatever the kid is experiencing, they're it completely and totally. They're completely in it in that moment. If an adult would behave that way, if a grown person, when, when you suggested to them, okay, I think it's time to go, say, no, I'm not going, and they, and they threw a tantrum, I hate you, and an adult would behave that way, we would say, what got into you? What, what, what's, what's going on here? We'd be, we'd be in total shock. For a child to behave that way, it's, it's quite normal. Because a child does not have perspective. They have extreme emotion. As they grow older, as you become mature, you gain perspective, hopefully. And when somebody says something that you disagree with or you don't want, or they ask you to do something that you're not in the mood of, so that doesn't mean you have to fly off the handle. You don't have to scream back at them. You could discuss it. You could you could say calmly, I, I don't think I'd like to do that right now. You might even say to yourself, I don't want to do it, but they have a point. It is time to go. So I should go. And you could even behave in a way that you don't feel like. That's maturity. Maturity is being able to balance various different uh, moods, different opinions, different realities and situations and saying, well, on the one hand, this, but on the other hand, that. And so just because I disagree with what you said doesn't mean I hate you. A child can't see that perspective. A child is totally in what they're in. And therefore, a child is chaotic. Childhood is, is, by definition, chaotic. There is chaos. Children make mess. They break things, they spill things, they get dirty. It's it's a part of their reality because everything they do, they do with extreme without consideration for any bigger picture or any other people or issues. They totally, if they're eating their chocolate mousse, they're in it completely and it's all over them. An adult may want to eat that way, but there's a certain constraint that, that an adult has that you don't put your face in a chocolate mousse. You, you eat it with your spoon slowly. You, you, don't, you don't shove it onto your, onto your face. I'm generalizing, of course. Some adults might eat that way. This is toyo and tikun,
0: the chaos of childhood is tohu.
1: The containment of adulthood is tikkun. First, the energies have to be expressed and developed. And then those energies have to be curtailed and worked together. In creation, first God expressed all these energies, each one had to be independent had to be expressed on its own to develop as a self. But when you're developing a self, that's at the expense of another self. And so there's a clash. Then there has to be where those various energies are
0: curtailed and work in harmony together.
1: And that's maturity. That's adulthood. That's, that's Tikkun. The, the role of, of a parent, a teacher, a guide, an adult in a child's life, is to bring tikkun to their tohu, to bring order, fixing, correcting, working together to the chaotic expression of a child. The challenge is that even though a mature person is tikkun, it's only the immature little people that are tohu, but in actual fact, under the surface, the mature person also has tohu. There's also tohu inside of us. There's a chaotic force inside of a mature person as well. The maturity is a a veil, a facade that protects and directs and holds back the chaotic forces inside. But the chaotic forces are totally there. They haven't gone away. They're part of Of you in your adulthood as well. You also have a childlike immature energy in you. And when you're around the chaos of a child, it sometimes can ignite in you, the chaotic in you. And sometimes an adult does not behave very maturely with the child. The child gets angry and the adult gets angry as well, and becomes a a clash. The the childlike stubbornness comes out in an adult because we're around, when we're around chaos, it arouses our chaos as well. Because that tikkun is, is the external expression. But deep down there's there's a lot of chaos, there's a lot of toyu there as well. It hasn't gone away. It's always here, it's always beneath the surface.
0: And that's why we do see that
1: adults sometimes go a bit wild, sometimes lose it. That, that, that controlled uh, mature attitude can sometimes be lost um, as a result of traffic or overtiredness or pushing the wrong button. And sometimes suddenly this chaotic energy comes out in the form of a a temper, losing control, kicking, and and screaming. It's it's always there under the surface. The same is true, uh, culturally, that the society that we live in is held together by a very vulnerable series of understandings of conventions of rules of etiquette of politeness, where we're supposed to behave in a certain way in order to be able to live together. We can't live together if each of us just does whatever we want. That's anarchy. We have to have certain rules of society so we can work together. But those rules are quite delicate. They only work as long as people keep them. When you don't take those rules seriously, then that delicate fabric of society falls apart very quickly and we retreat into anarchy. Think of a roundabout, a yeah, traffic roundabout at, at an intersection. A roundabout's an incredible thing. I'm driving that way and that's the way I want to go. Somebody else is driving that way and they want to go there. And so we reach a roundabout, and without anyone telling us anything, without any police standing there directing us, without any type of barrier stopping us, one person stops and lets the other person go. Why? Because they are to my right, and the person on the right has right of way, and so I stop and let them go. I, but I want to go that way. Why am I stopping? I'm in a rush. I don't know who they are. But I stop for them. Why? Because there is the rule that when you come to a roundabout, you stop and let them go. That's incredible. That's amazing that people behave that way. People actually do that. Admittedly, not everyone does. Some people don't. But enough people do to make it safe, enough that i know that when i reach the roundabout if not if it's my turn i can go and if it's their turn they can go but that only works because i trust that they are going to listen to the rule and they trust that i'm going to listen to the rule in certain societies that works there are some societies that does not work you need a red light if there's not a red light i'm going and in some societies red light doesn't work either Even with the red light, I'm still going because I've got to go. It just depends how much tikkun and how much toyo you have. How much order is there? How much maturity? How much uh, sensitivity to the other is there in a society? Or how much just chaotic, I'm here and I'm doing what I want. And that will apply to every area of our life. There's the tikkun system that holds back the tohu chaos from taking over and going out of control. This is at the basis of creation. God created the world with tohu, a chaotic energy, which chaos left on its own causes collision, smashing at the roundabout and in the primordial lights of creation tikkun gives
0: order gives healing cooperation
1: working together space for other holding back that chaotic energy so if we look we'll see that toyu and tikkun are the two sources of various different realities in our world and here's, here's just a list of a few a few examples toyu is the source of chaos that's what the word means tikkun is the source of order toyu is the source of animals animals are toyu they are chaotic they are instinctive they're powerful and strong they an animal does what it does and that's all an animal has its nature that it was created with and that's what it does humans are from tikkun humans are multifaceted every person every human being every single one of us have so many aspects to our life so many things that we can juggle at once so many personas that we have so many hats that we wear an animal doesn't do that. An animal has its instinct of survival, of protection, of propagation. It does what it does, and, and that's it from when it's born till, till when it dies. Every generation the same. Whereas humans, we in one day go through so many different states of being, moods, and um powers that we can express. We can change from one extreme to another. That's tikkun, which is multifaceted. But it's not nearly as energetic and as powerful as the raw power of an animal. So to emotions, emotions are from Toyo. Intellect is from tikkun. Our emotions, like we spoke about the child, and adults' emotions also. An emotion is extreme. The the emotion I'm feeling now is the entire world. If I'm feeling down and sad now, everything's bad. The world is bad, and 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 nothing can get me out of it. And if somebody says to me, "Cheer up," that makes it even worse. On the other hand, if things are up and and I'm I'm feeling positive, so then everything's good. At that moment, everything's good. I can't even remember how it felt when it was bad. An emotion is so singular, but it's chaotic. It's not organized. It has no perspective, It has no limitations. Emotions don't come neatly at this time and leave at that time. Intellect on the other hand is the power to organize, to arrange, to classify, to define, to give everything its place. So, toyo is the source of anarchy, chaos and anarchy, and uh, uh, everyone does their own thing. Tikkun is where civilization
0: comes from, an organized society
1: working together for, the, for a, a, a common good. Toyo is stubborn. This is what I want. And I'm not budging from it. This is this is right. And that's it. Or single mindedness, the way I see it is the right way. And, and, I, and you're wrong. That's a, that's a total state to be in. Whereas Tikkun is balanced and harmonious. That I can work with you. I have an opinion, you have an opinion, we can work together. I'm a bit right, you're a bit right. So together, we can, we, can, we can come up with something greater. We can work together. Childhood versus adulthood. Childhood is toyu is the toyu time of life, when emotions are going to extremes. Whereas adulthood is the tikkun, held back, refined time of life, maturity. Extremism is toyu. An extremist, where there is one issue that they believe in, and they dedicate themselves to that one issue. And there's no gray area. It's black or white. That's a Toyo state. Whereas nuance, subtlety, the ability to see the relative power of one thing over another, and the the two sides of of a story, that's a Tikkun state of mind. And therefore, within each one of us, we have an animal soul from tohu and a divine soul from tikkun. We have a part of our self, of our persona, which is the animalistic soul. The Kabbalists called it the nefesh of Hamis, the animal soul within, within the human being. It's our instinctive self that is just there for me, just looking after myself. It's the source of my urges. My, my natural urges, it's the source of my lower instincts and lower nature, my physical, materialistic and hedonistic side, that's complete toyu. It's about me and, and doesn't care about anything else. There's no perspective. It's wild, the wild side of me. But my divine soul is the elevated, refined, holy part of me. That's my tikkun side, the side that is, is looking for something outside and beyond myself, not stuck in myself. And both of them are in me. Toyo and Tikkun are in me.
0: It's not that I used to be
1: a child and now I'm an adult. It's that I have the child in me now that is being held at bay by my adult self. Hopefully, most of the time but it can always surface. As soon as that that adult maturity is shaken, is challenged, is pushed to its limit, suddenly this childlike wildness can come out.
0: And that is not always bad. That while toyu
1: is a, a broken state of being it's chaotic whereas tikkun is fixed and organized there's an element of toyo that it is higher than tikkun toyo came from a higher source there is greater light greater energy greater power in toyo than in tikkun tikkun is the way to express but toyo is the energy you want to you want to tap into toyo is not bad It's just fallen it needs to be corrected tikkun comes and corrects tohu our mature self can come and direct our childlike self to actually express itself positively it's not bad to channel that in in a child if tikkun directs where it's appropriate so if we if we analyze if we dig under Toyo and Tikkun will see that the obvious advantages are to Tikkun but the deeper advantages are in Toyo.
0: If we look here we see that you have a Toyo
1: side and you have a Tikkun side and each one of those sides of you has strengths and weaknesses. And they're exactly corresponding to each other. The weaknesses in your toihu are the strengths in your tikkun. And in fact, the weaknesses of your toyu side are the flip side of the strengths that toyu itself has. There are weaknesses in your tickling side, which are the flip side of the strengths of your tickling side. Let's have a look. Look at your toyo side. So it's got certain weaknesses. It's wild, out out of control. It's the side of you that snaps, that says things that you didn't think before speaking and gets you in a lot of trouble, can cause you to say words that are extremely hurtful. And you didn't really mean causes you to steamroll and not give any any space to another so you're wild unsociable it's the part of you that has no consideration or connection to the other is is completely self-absorbed with just your way of seeing things can't see beyond your perspective and is therefore pushy, that anyone else just needs to get out of the way of what I need and what I want and what I think is right. That's, that's your tohu side, the, the, the wild and chaotic side of your personality. Look on your Tikkun side, the exact opposite of the strengths of your Tikkun side. The strengths of your Tikkun side is you're strategic, meaning that you think things through, you have a plan, and you become organized, not, not wild and erratic, but organized and focused in a, in a strategic way. You are able to be considerate of others as opposed to being unsociable and disconnected. You, you have in mind the needs of other people. You're sensitive to their feelings. You're, you're aware of, of their place in the world and you give it credence and, and honor just like you honor yourself, you honor another. That's your tikkun side, the ability to work with others, to, to fix and correct relationships, to elevate. And that's your humble side. Your, the humble side that, can, that says that even though I have an opinion, I can learn from others. I can listen to somebody else and they have just as much to say and maybe more. That, that's, that's your humble side. The strengths of your tikkun side are the exact opposite of the weaknesses of your toyo side. Strategic and not wild, considerate and not unsociable, humble and not pushy. But at the same time, your toyo side has certain strengths, a certain power that tikkun cannot compete with. Your toyo side is energetic, it's, it's, got, it's got energy. It's got momentum. It's like the animal drive that is so powerful, so overwhelming. It's a force to reckon with. Whereas your side is a bit calm. It's not, not, so, not so energetic. Because it's not so self-assertive, it's a little bit uh, lukewarm watered down. Your, your Toyo side is individualistic. There's something that only you can bring to the world in the Toyo world. There's a, there's a, a, the, the Toyo element of you is, is about you asserting yourself. Whereas your Tikkun side is much more conventional, is much more interact with the world around you compromises. So it's not quite as individualistic. Your toyo side is determined, it will not budge, it's going to go to the end. Whereas your chicken side is contained, it, it, it holds itself back. And so if you look at these, at these Four squares. Each one is parallel to the one next to it, and the one above it and below it. The weaknesses of your Toyo side, your wild, unsocial, and pushy self, is the flip side of the strengths of your Toyo side, your energetic, individualistic, and determined self. It's the same thing. The weaknesses of your Chicken side, your conventionalness. Conformity, your lukewarmness, not 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 so not so energetic, your containedness, you're held back, not not uh, not pushing till the end. Well, that's the flip side of your strategic, considerate, and humble self. It's because you think a bit too much and you plan a bit too much that you're not so spontaneous and original. Because you're considerate, so you're not so individualistic and. A bit more conventional. Your humility holds you, holds you back to be contained. The strengths are the flip side of the weaknesses, and the weaknesses are the flip side of the strengths on both sides. And so, what we really want is we really want to channel the powers of our Tohu side to be expressed in a way of Tikkun. We want the energy of Toihu to be directed into the system of Tikkun. We want the best of both worlds. And this, indeed, is an ideal that the, the Lubavitcher Rebbe said that we can do. It was 1991 where he said the words, do all you can in a way of lights of tohu in vessels of tikkun to bring Mashiach immediately. It's known that the Rebbe was very, very intent on the world reaching its ultimate purpose, which is Mashiach, the Messiah coming. What is is Mashiach? What does it mean? It's where the highest spiritual energies can be expressed in the lowest physical world. That we can take the energies, the lights, of tohu and express them in the vessels of tikkun. That this world should not be transformed by force, but it should in a systematic way be transformed, which means that our soul has a power in it that is higher than both tohu and tikkun. Our soul is not just defined by Toyo and Tikkun, but it actually is a piece of God Himself, the source of Toyo and Tikkun. And so, when you're connected to your your divine source, to God Himself, the essence of the soul, you can bring together both energies. When your when your spirituality is directed in a way that is divine, that you can you can bring the two together. You see, toyu is the chaotic, animalistic energy that is at the the core of creation. Tikkun is the systematic, organized, limited expression of light that is on the surface of creation. But God is the source of both. And so the idea the Rebbe expressed The idea of of Torah is taking divine light from the world of Tohu and bringing it in an organized lifestyle in the world of Tikkun. That you have to live in a way that is totally fitting with the world. Keep the the mores and customs and and, uh, etiquette of this world. Be a normal person but that normality is the external surface. Internally, you're not normal. You've got a fire in your soul. You've got a chaotic energy building up inside of you. You have unbelievable individualism. There's something individual about you, a gift that only you have to the world that doesn't fit into anything else. There are ideas and powers and expressions and and abilities that you have to bring to the world that are totally original. That don't fit into anything. So you have to try and tap into that, at the same time as being a totally normal person. You see, it's always tempting to either be Toyo or Tikkun. That either I'm a Toyo type or a Tikkun type. Maybe I'm a Toyo type, a bit of an anarchist, a non-conformist, uh, and I want to just uh, negate the entire world and and live live a life off the grid. To be, to be just my, my toyo self. That's one way of living. The other way is to be a tikkun person. To be just a clean cut, average, like everybody else. Don't shake any boats. Don't, don't do anything unusual. Just fit in and uh, blend in with the crowd. And probably each one of us tend one way or the other. We're a bit toyu type or a bit tikkun type. We've we've all got both, but we're a bit this way, a bit that way. We're we're a, a, the the childlike tohu personality that never grows up, or we're the contained tikkun type that never lets the hair down. The Rebbe said, "We've got to take the light of tohu and bring it in the vessels of tikkun. Take take that childlike, chaotic, pure emotion." and express it in a way that's respectful. You can have a a passionate discussion that's respectful. So express your passions and express it in a passionate way, but a respectful way. A toihu energy that has the tikkun presentation. You want to express a deep individualistic spirituality, that's fine but that doesn't have to be in a way that negates the world or offends other people. You can do it in a way that is very internal, that you take the Toyu energy inside of you and you do it in a way that can be quite normal. And this is ultimately what will bring Mashiach. Mashiach is where we have the high spiritual energy that deep individualism. And it's totally a part of this world. It's not contradictory to this world at all. And this is hinted at in the episode in the Torah where Jacob and Esau, the last time they saw each other, embraced. After many years of being apart, they finally faced each other And Jacob was not sure if Esau would wage war against him or not. And in the end, he embraced. And the Torah records it, that Esau ran towards him and embraced him and fell on his neck and kissed him. And they wept. They wept about all those years where they were separated. Where Jacob and Esau, Toyo and Tikkun, these two energies that seem so apart, but but they can actually work together. And... after this embrace Esau said to Jacob okay let's let's travel together and Jacob said to Esau not yet we've embraced but hasn't yet come the time when we can work together that will be at the end of times and so this I believe is the time in history when the chaotic energy can be brought down into an orderly tikkun expression. This is the time that Jacob and and Esau saw in their future that we have huge energy today. We have a huge amount of, of spiritual connection today, maybe more than ever before. And we also have the vessels, the containers, greater than ever before. We have, we have the, the means to express it more, more than ever. And so if we see a world that is teetering towards chaos, that just needs to be channeled. That chaotic energy needs to be channeled. If it's, if it's directed correctly with a, with a divine purpose, so then we'll fulfill the embrace of Jacob and Esau, of toyu and tikkun, and that will be the coming of Mashiach. Amen. Okay, I'm going to go now to the questions that were put into the chat, you're welcome to put any others in. Uh, Take any other questions as well. So let's have a look. Um, Is there any connection between the the restraint of Gvura to Tikkun and the unrestrained Chesed to Tohu? So yes, yes, there is Um, Chesed and Gvura. the, The two emotional faculties Chesed usually translated as kindness and expressiveness, gvura as restraint or discipline. So yes, there is a connection between toyu, tikkun, chesed and gvura. The, there's a Kabbalistic work called Sefer HaTzmunah, And there it says that the world that we live in, the world of tikkun, uh, was preceded by another world called the world of toyu. The way he describes it is not in those words. He says that there was a chesed world, that preceded our world. And our world is the world. So why is it the Chesed world? The Chesed world is where it's expressiveness, expressiveness of light, whereas our world is the gevura world where light is held back. And he actually says there, that there were some souls that belonged in that world that came down into this world and retained that the, the, the previous life. And the one, the one he, he mentions is Moses, Moshe Rabbeinu. It says about Moshe that minamai that he was drawn from the water. The name Moshe means he was drawn from the water. Water is associated with Chesed, fire with Gevura. And so Moshe's soul was drawn from the water, from the world of Chesed, which is the world of Toihu, the world that preceded our world, the world of Tikkun of Gevura. And that's why Moshe was on such a high level. It's also why he, had, he couldn't speak says about Moshi, he had a speech impediment, he couldn't speak clearly. And it, in the, the Kabbalists say that that is because he was um, from a highest source, a source so high that he couldn't express himself down in this world, like the lights of Tohu that don't have a Keli, don't have a, a vessel. So yeah, certainly it is it is, it is connected. Another question, if it's obvious that, that someone's neshama is more toyo than tikkun, naturally, I born with kabbalistically, how do you instill more tikkun into that neshama in this world? OK, so like all ingrained or natural traits, we have to work with them as well as challenge ourselves to go beyond them. So in other words, each one of us have certain, certain persona, a certain personality, uh, whether that is genetic or learn or the source of our soul, but that's just how we are. So to some extent we can change it and to some extent we can't. So you have to go with the tohu, but you have to try and take on the tikkun. So some of it will come naturally and some of it will be more learned behavior. So a tohu, a wild person, if you're aware of that, that's already great, being aware of it is, is, is number one. So then you need to say, okay, I need to put into place certain tikkun practices. I'm not a tikkun person, but I need to put into set place certain practices. Um, I can't live a life totally disorganized. It's, it's a total chaos. I can't do that. So I have to use technology. I, I need to get a calendar with reminders on it that remind me of, of things to do. I need to get somebody else to, to s- send me reminders sometimes because it's not my nature to do it. I need to be s- somewhat organized and habit... Habit does become somewhat ingrained, so tick on habits can help a toe to person at least function in the world. Um, and so that is, um, that, that is, a, that is a, gen- a general answer to that. Uh, Sam, you have your hand up. You want to unmute yourself and ask a question? If you'd like to you can otherwise we'll continue with questions uh, and we'll come back to you if you if you want to unmute yourself um another question here do toyo and tikkun at all correlate to masculine and feminine polarities so i wasn't sure if i wanted to get into that um uh, or not but, <laughs> but certainly yes um certainly the world of tohu is kabbalistically also taught, called the world of circles Whereas the world of Tikkun is the world of lines and circular energy is feminine. Linear energy is masculine. And so the Toyo um, raw emotion energy is more feminine and the Tikkun more organized uh, rational energy is more masculine. How that translates into men and women in here, of course, each one of us have both masculine and feminine um, energies towards us within us. Um, but yeah, there, the, there is definitely a, a line circle uh, um, contrast going on with the uh, tohu versus versus tikun. Um, now an- another question: When the twins were born, why did they name him Esau and he name him Jacob? Um, it, does, it does say that in the um, in the uh, in the Torah. Um, the, I can't remember. There is a, there is a commentaries on it, but I can't remember what they say right now. I can have a look. Um, the Jacob's descendants have more Tikkun and Esau's more Tohu. tohu. So yeah, there is, a, there is an idea that the Jacob's descendants, which is the Jewish people, um, our mission is to bring Tikkun, which is the pur- purpose of um, into them into the universe. Um, Esau's descendants um, are, are usually identified as the Roman uh, empire, um, which was brute force and strength. Um, in some ways, they, were, they they had organization, but um, but as far as purpose um, to the world, that that is a, that is the inheritance of Jacob. Um, so, is it problematic to believe that the shattering of the vessels was a mistake? Could the divine have still been in, in, in development energetically like a child? So, no 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 move no no divine move can be a mistake. Um, everything God does is, is intentional and exactly supposed to be that way. Um, so uh, what God was doing was introducing the ability to make a mistake and then correct it. If God didn't create that possibility, then we couldn't do that. We, we can't invent fixing. Um, God had to invent fixing, but to do that, he had to do something that was deemed a mistake, uh, a, a collision. And so it's not. It's it. It's not. Um, it shouldn't trouble us to say that, that it wasn't a mistake. This was an intentional mistake, and and the source, therefore, of all of all other mistakes. Um, wasn't Mo, the question? He wasn't Moshe's speech issue resolved the Mount Torah? Weren't all issues medical problems fixed? Yes. Yes, correct. But at the beginning of the Torah, Mo, Moses Moses' speech was fixed, um, because there was a. The physical inability to speak was, was fixed at the, at the giving of the of the Torah. However, the spiritual source of it was that his until the giving of the Torah, his mouth was not able to express his, his the, the, the world of Tohu the soul. At the giving of the Torah, that was the, the marriage of heaven and earth, where for the first time, the lights of tohu would be able to ex- be expressed in Tikkun, which is the ultimate purpose of the Torah. And so Moses' speech was fixed. He was able to speak. Uh, he did not have a speech impediment after the Torah was given um, because his toyu energies now could start to be expressed in the world, which is the ultimate purpose of the, of the Torah. Okay. There's another question here. Are toyu and tikkun part of the character of the divine? Is God more toyu or tikkun? Is God's rough and mercy Tikkun. So any personality that we we give to God is what he took on. It's not his essence. God's essence is not not definable and cannot be described in in any terms. However, out of love for us, which is also metaphorical, but because he wants to relate to us, so he takes on personality traits, um, and we are in his image. So um, the, the Toyu and Tikkun energies come from God and they, they are expressions of him. Um, it, can we say that God's wrath? Well, the, the, the fallen state of the world comes from Toyu. And so um, we could say that when, when things, when we do not live in the Tikkun way, which means in a, in, a, in, in a way, according to the divine will. So then we invite the, the tohu energy into the world, which is the, the chaos into the world. So in that way, you could say that God's, God's wrath, as it were, is brought into the world through our tohu behavior that doesn't have the tikkun uh, self-control. Um, and final question here is tohu heaven. No, no. Um, it's the, the heaven, what we refer to as, as heaven. Well, there, there's, a, there's a few different meanings of the word heaven. Uh, it could mean very generally the spiritual realms. And in that way, yeah, Toyo and Tikonol, they're all the spiritual realms. It's all a description of various spiritual realms. If we mean heaven as far as the, the abode of souls, where souls go um, uh, before they come down to this world and after they leave this world, so then, no, they don't. They don't inhabit the world of, of Toyu. Um, the the Garden of Eden, Gan Eden, is 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 Tikkun, is a part of Tikkun. The world of Atsilut is is the, is a part of Tikkun. Toyu proceeded, uh, is higher than those worlds uh, in its energy, but it's not it's not heaven where the souls go to. And if anything, Toyu is down here and and in here inside inside of us. And so, our challenge is to channel that, channel our Tohu into the direction of Tikkun. All right. We'll call it a night. Thank you very much for joining. And please go next week. We'll continue with more mind blowing Kabbalah. Thanks for being here.